Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Shares for beginners. So people are linear. But most processes in the economy and in the, in the market are non-linear. And we just don't have the brain to understand five-dimensional, ten-dimensional, forty-dimensional plots. And computers are. G'day, and welcome back to Shares for Beginners. I'm Phil Muscatello. Now, sometimes we hear about automated trading or algorithmic trading or black box trading, artificial intelligence kind of trading. This is where computers take over from humans in deciding what stocks and shares to buy and sell and how to buy and sell them. This area has traditionally been an area for hedge funds, but today we're going to be talking about being unhedged. G'day, Peter. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yes, unhedged, correct. Peter Backer runs Unhedged, which is an algorithmic trading platform, which is about less than a month old now, isn't it? Well, yeah, we we started building the platform in December 2020. Yes. After we raised our first round. And so we had to build basically everything ourselves, right? Because we can't rely on others to give us all the the trading advantages. So we, we build our own trading engines, our own algorithms and our own apps. Mm hmm. So yeah, in uh, August we launched for wholesale investors and now in December 20th, four days before Christmas. Great time to start. (laughs) (laughs) Better better uh, late than never. (laughs) Yeah, we launched for retail investors. And so now because we had a wait list of about 8,000 people and we're still onboarding them and we released for the public in like two or three weeks, so without any wait list. Mm. Yeah, really exciting. (laughs) So what you're trying to do is offer regular investors access to the kind of tools that hedge funds have. Correct. What is a hedge fund? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. A hedge fund is basically a class of funds that the regulator says there are no rules and it's only meant for sophisticated investors. And so what we had to do is we took those tools from the rich boys and we adjusted them so we can use them for everyday investors. Mm. So that means that normally hedge funds will use complex derivatives. We can't use them. Or option strategies, we can't use them. So we, we try to create a, a fund that is clearly not a hedge fund, but that uses the tools that hedge funds use. Yeah, so if you, if you look at the hedge fund industry, if, if you want to know, there's a lot of funds that, for example, have a, what they call high frequency trading. So they try to arbitrage like cents or millicents of each trade. They're just trying to shave off little shave bits, aren't they? Just get, little bit. Yeah, just by getting in a few milliseconds yeah. before the trade happens. Yeah, or if somebody has a fat finger, then they will give it and then buy it back, right? Mm. So, so they try to use inefficiencies in the market to make a profit. 
And then you have hedge funds like uh, Bridgewater in the US of uh, Dalio or Double On Capital. And they are more funds like, like we do. So we try to find alternative data in the industry and then find trends before they're happening. And you can do that in a lot of ways. And so what we have chosen is the way that uh, Ray Dalio's fund does as well. So we use multiple algorithms that have total different data sets, rules, universes. And when you combine them in a meaningful way, then it doesn't matter that one algorithm is too early or too late, right? So as long as they don't make the same decisions at the same time. Mm. And so they will basically make a equity curve, what they call, more smoothly, aka your account. <laughs> so this is not your first foray into investing. You've invested before yes. and you've failed spectacularly, I believe. Spectacularly a few times, <laughs> a few times. So uh, if you go back, like, uh, um, and this this maybe... Uh, says now that I'm an old man, but my first business, I started in 96. And uh, it was a business in, in software engineering and primarily in solving something that in hindsight didn't exist, the YK2 problem. And um, my business was uh, pretty successful and we managed to sell it in uh, 2001. And um, after working for five, six years as a dog, I decided to travel around the world and give my money to an asset manager who would invest in hedge funds and all professional and they convinced me it was great. And um, when I came back after two years, they professionally halved my money, uh, which was a shock. But also like what I thought was odd is that they didn't feel any regret. They said, yeah, that's a game. I said, but I still paid my fees, right? I paid 2% a year over my assets. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's it. Thank and, you. And uh, they didn't outperform an ETF at yeah. all. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they didn't out outperform anything. Yeah. And then I started to trade myself. And if you start to trade yourself, like most people in your podcast, you try a lot of things. And so I tried technical analysis, which... In hindsight, was actually not so smart to try because if it would work, then there would be a lot of more trillionaires in, in the world, right? Mm. So technical analysis can work in some areas sometimes, but it's not a uh, silver bullet. So then I started to trade more aggressively in options and yeah, did well, but the volatility in my account was just massive, right? So... I lost and won cars in a day. Mm. And at one point I thought, this is not a life, it's bad for your heart. So then I I discovered algorithmic trading and I started uh, basically in 2010, I started to write stuff. And first in Excel and then in code and Python. And slowly the world opened up in terms of uh, APIs for brokers and it was more data available. So it became more and more sophisticated, I would say. So then slowly, over 10 years, I developed this theory, also working with a lot of other hedge funds and smaller funds, about that a lot of robo-investors, 
they abused the modern portfolio theory. They basically, the modern portfolio theory is, it says that you have to do a lot of things. One of the things is you have to have diversification in your return streams. You know? And what do they do then? They say, well, an ETF is a return stream, so I diversify in ETFs. But the problem is that if a market goes up, okay, it all goes up. But the moment it goes up with the stairs, but it goes down with the elevator, the moment you go down, then things start to correlate. And then suddenly those diversification strategies don't work anymore. And so that's where I think algorithmic trading is a little bit more pure to the modern portfolio theory because it really rebalances return streams. So what does that mean, rebalancing return streams? So what you basically do, if you have algorithm one, and algorithm two, and algorithm three, they all have a return, so they give money back to you, right? So you buy and you sell, and when you sell, you have a return. They have their own volatility, but the moment you combine them, they can cancel each other's volatility. So you create algorithms that have a so-called low correlation. So that means that they behave differently. What's a practical, a practical example of that? Well, a practical example of that is, um, for example, suppose you have a portfolio like ARC. Yeah, Ark is this famous young lady, Kathy yeah, Woods. Yeah. yeah, Kathy Woods, who basically piles up in in uh, Tesla, Apple, all the meme stocks, right? Mm-hmm. And so her fund has a very specific return stream. It's very much leaning on the extreme edge, or the what in algo trading we call the momentum edge of the tech market. Now. If you put all your money into that, then you become basically an amplification of the NASDAQ. And the NASDAQ is already pretty volatile. So Mm. amplification of that means that you go up more when the NASDAQ goes up and down more when the NASDAQ goes down. Which she's done recently, hasn't she? Well, her fund has been obliterated, right? And so if you do that, then that's not a good strategy. So you can take a second strategy where you go to, for example, a company called PIMCO. And PIMCO is famous for bond strategies. So they buy bonds in distress. uh, They buy government bonds, all kinds of bonds, inflation-protected bonds. They protect them for rising rates. So although this is a very low returning strategy, if you combine the two, suddenly your portfolio goes up a lot smoother. And so you can combine like three, four, five. And so the law of of diversification in your own portfolio is basically if you have more than 15 to 20 stocks, you start to be over diversified. Mm. So it's the same for us. If we have more than 15 algorithms, we start to be over diversified. So over diversification is actually a cost to your portfolio. So you don't want to do that. So I always say to people who want to run their own investment that they have to, they have to limit the urge to buy a lot, mm. a lot of types. If you see a portfolio with 200 things, how can you follow 200 companies? That's really impossible. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So diversification, you were talking about bonds. So these are like corporate bonds, which is money that's loan to companies on banks and then government bonds yep. and so forth um so it sounds to me it's like diversification across different asset classes is that correct well yeah that is one type then you have a lot of other diversifications which are more interesting mm. and that's what we algo nerds call factors so there's a whole bunch of factors we know and factors are basically data that explains a part of the returns of the market. So if you look at the S&P 500 or the ASX 200, the whole market moves in a certain way. But sometimes the market is driven by what they call momentum. Mm. And sometimes the driven is by value. And sometimes the value is a quality metric. Sometimes the market is driven by size, so only bigger companies get bigger, like you have in the US now. So if you look at the current market in the US, it was driven for a long time by size and momentum yeah, within a bull trend. Mm. And that means that we have a momentum algorithm, he did very well, right? And so in, in December, last December, when the NASDAQ went down, I think 7% or so, we went up 2%. And why? Because the algorithms already saw that the momentum was waning in the tech sector and it was moving to others. So we had suddenly a lot of utilities in there. We had Procter & Gamble in there. We had medical companies in there. So these algorithms are far more tuned to the market and they can switch quicker than people because people get attached to an idea, right? So Kathy Woods, she's still attached to the idea. If you look at Spaceship, a robot advisor in Australia, they're still very much on the tech trend, right? We're more agile to do that. Another agnostic, agnostic yeah, to agnostic. what you're going to be um, investing um, in. Another factor you can use is uh, mean reversal. If things go too far off the mean, then they go back. That sounds a bit technical, though, doesn't it? Because you're looking at a chart and you're looking at the yeah, 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 at yeah. a moving average, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, it's, it's more you mostly look at acceleration, right? Yeah? yeah. So if something accelerates too hard, then it's more likely to go down. Mm. We use a uh, very complex machine learning algorithm that detects bubbles, and you can detect bubbles on like daily graphs or hourly graphs, whatever, but the, the key is basically that you want to see an acceleration that is logarithmic, up or down. We're better at detecting the bottom than mm. the top, mm -hmm. because the top consists out of multiple bubbles in general. <laughs> <laughs> All bubbling up like, bubbling like champagne. Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like champagne. There's bubbles everywhere. And bubbles not always explode together, right? They can pop one by one, and then it's an orderly decline. Mm. But 
yeah, if they start to correlate, like we had in um, 2008 especially, we, we correlated all the way down, right? Everything did, and, yeah. And in 2000 was also, we correlated all the way down. Mm-hmm. And I think it helps for me, especially when I work with my quant team, is I was trading in 2000. I knew what was happening, I saw it. And I spoke to my dad, and my dad said, this doesn't make sense. And I said, Dad, more or less shut up. <laughs> this time it's different. <laughs> and how different was it? Not very. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad with his gold stocks was pretty right. <laughs> oh, yeah, I w- w- wanted to go back quickly to yep. how I failed, right? Mm. Because yep, okay. I, I yep. failed a few times by giving money to others and then being not so good at trading and then becoming better at trading. And then later, when I started to algo trade, I had to learn to trust the algorithms. One time in particular that I had um, made one algorithm was really good at uh, detecting stress in the market. And a few times it took me out really quickly. And uh, I thought, oh, that's really good. So I made a lot of profit. That algorithm went from basically 15K to 150K in, in a few years' time. Like, bizarre. And I thought, oh, that's really... After this is the Federer. magic one. <laughs> this is the magic one. This is the boat. He is coming. <laughs> and then one, one night I was sitting and I thought, that's really odd that, that he jumps out. So I overrode it. And I thought, that's really odd that the stock goes in 2018 when the volatility crash had happened. And so during the night, I spent overriding the algorithm who wanted to jump out all, all the time and acquiring more and more of something that started the night at $110, I think, ended uh, the week with $4. Mm-hmm. Uh, I lost $80,000. That's my big By not listening to the algorithm. By not listening to the algorithm. This is the last time I overrode an, an algorithm. Mm. Because the algorithms, you train them on data, and you retrain them on data. And at one point, they find a pattern. And the pattern might be way too complex. And how you can explain it, I think, is... Um, People are linear people. We are linear thinkers. We mm-hmm. think that, you know, COVID is going up, oh, it will go up forever. Or when markets go down and people predict everywhere, oh, we'll go, always go down. Yeah, yeah. we'll go 70% down because yeah. we're already 30% down. So people are linear. But most processes in the economy and in, in the market are non-linear. And we just don't have the brain to understand five-dimensional, ten-dimensional, forty-dimensional plots. And computers are. Mm. Computers are very bad at explaining. They just say yes or no, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Or on or off, or with a confidence of 15% off, or confidence of 20% on. Mm-hmm. But what they can't say, why? It's really hard. And that's that's uh, something you have to get used to when you're an algo investor, is that sometimes you look at the market and you think, mm, I don't know why he do- does that, but I just let him do it. And as long as you play with different mechanisms, different factors, so momentum, mean reversion, size, quality, maybe earnings, and it's, it can also be a factor then you'll be fine. I think it's a more scientific way of, of investing. And I must say that during the time that I 
do algo trading, I never had a drawdown on the algorithms more than about 9%. Which is really good if you see that the market went down thirty five percent, right? And even yeah, like December, I funded two percent plus. Well, I know because we opened accounts in other competitors, they went down by six percent because yeah, they are very married to this idea, and the algos are far more agile. With algorithmic trading, an important aspect I believe is back testing. Do you do backtesting? Is that how these algorithms are developed yeah, yeah. to see how it's worked in in the past? Yeah. So backtesting is is a a gift and a curse at the same time. So this is when you apply the rules that you've come yeah. up with the algorithmic rules. Yeah. And then look at it over the last ten, twenty years and see yeah. if it actually works. Yeah. 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 I'll explain it a little little bit further. A backtest is basically you first start with um, acquiring data. Right? When, you, when you're an algo trader, you acquire data. So you have found a data set that's really interesting, that there's some alpha in there or there's some factor in, in there that you want to, want to abuse. And you split the data in a training set and a validation set, and then you have the forward trading set. So these things can be sequential or non-sequential. Right? So you can test with the data 2012 to 2015 and then test back, uh, so test in 2010, or test forward. So you can test in a lot of ways to validate it. The problem is this. It's been academically proven. People who do a lot of back tests, they're curve-fitting. Mm-hmm. And they basically try to find a way to follow the curve. And that curve is the, the curve price? is the market, for, for the example. Price of the markets, so yeah. the market, and you say, well, every time when the market does this, I do that. And therefore, I make more, more money. Mm-hmm. But Fukushima only happened once. COVID now only happens once. And there's a lot of things in the world that only happen once. So once you start to curve fit your algorithm to those events, then suddenly you are what they call curve-fitting. So you're lying. And a lot of amateur algo traders are doing that. And you see that also in all the blogs about technical trading often, is that people say, oh, this all always works. Well, when you put it in a computer, it doesn't. But yeah, it's a good try, and it works sometimes, and you have to just know when it works and when it doesn't work. The backtesting is a fantastic tool to see what would happen in the rules you have developed in your AI model. However, when you backtest, you have to take into account, for example, that you have no what they call information leakage. So, for example, if you backtest in a set and you, you basically look back to data that you actually developed on, then what's they call information leakage. So basically your your model is actually lying to the data in front. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of things you have to be careful with. The second thing is that the when you are trading in the markets, right, you get the data stream as it presents at that moment. That data has misprints, that data has outages, you know, Amazon can go down for a few seconds, the internet can can be disruptive, uh, there can be where your server is located, there can be a power failure. This data, what comes in your algorithm, 
day by day is dirty. Mm. The data you use to backtest is clean. All these errors are taken out. They're called misprints. Mm -hmm. But misprints are still in daily life. So a lot of people, when they do backtests, they do backtests on clean data. And especially in the crypto sphere, this is really, really important. In, in crypto, you have thousands of exchanges and they all have their own price discovery. But when people do algo trading on crypto, they take the whole market and they, they put it in one data set. And you can find fantastic things. I can make algorithms on Bitcoin that always work. Mm. The problem is you can never trade it because you have to trade it on exchanges and the parcels you can buy and sell on, on exchanges are just too small. Yeah. And the friction, the, the buy-sell spread and uh, transaction costs are just in the end killing you. And that's the, the last thing I would say with backtests that a lot of people who do backtests for fun, you know, they forget to um, calculate slippage. And slippage is... The brokerage, is it? Yeah, it's, it's brokerage, but also the buy-sell spread. Yeah. Right? So you have the brokerage costs, which you can calculate, but you also have what they call slippage. Is, for example, if the order book of the exchanges has uh, a thousand shares on a thousand dollars, and another guy who wants to sell a thousand shares for a thousand and ten dollars, if you do now an order for two thousand shares, your average price will be a thousand five. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Because you buy both parcels. Yeah. Because the moment you bought, it's depleted, and then it ticks up. That is very hard to mimic, and mm. we we spend an awful amount of time building software that actually uses that book to read it and say, okay, our parcel should now be this size. And that's the power of algorithmic investing. We, we can read live gigabytes of data, interpret it, and get the best outcome for the client. So tell us about Unhedged. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How can people find Unhedged? And it's, well, an, it's an app now, isn't it? Yeah, it's an app, so you mm. can download it. If you download it now, you have a demo mode, so you, mm -hmm. can, you can see what it is. In uh, about two weeks, we will open it up for everybody. We're still onboarding our wait list. Mm -hmm. um, but that will be quickly done because now we have the confidence we can onboard a few hundred people a day. But yeah... Um, Unhedged, go to the Apple Store or the Android Store, or mm -hmm. go to the website unhedged.com.au. And that is unhedged, not unhinged. <laughs> unhinged. <laughs> unhinged algos. <laughs> yeah. I think it's my accent that uh, make unhedged unhinged sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and so just to be clear, unhedged in the background is fully app-based and it has a fund in the background. It's a unit trust, so it's totally regulated. It's You're buying all... units in, in this, yeah? Yeah. What sort of investment uh, can you start with? So the first investment is from $100. So wow. You can yeah. start with almost nothing. Mm-hmm. If you want to invest more than 10 million, you have to call because then... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, but we're gaining funds on management really quickly, which is for us a great validation because, you know, in the end you can make up everything and you can build the best team there is. I think we have a, an awesome team. But in the end, people vote with their wallets. And if we see that people now just put 
50,000, 5,000, 10,000, 15,000 mm-hmm. easily in. I think, yeah, it's really resonating. It's really resonating that we try to make the investable world a little bit more fair. Mm. We're giving the, the tools of the big boys to just people like you and me. Average investors, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Peter Becker, thank you very much for joining me today. Very welcome. If you found this podcast helpful, please tell a friend, especially if it's someone who needs to start thinking about investing for their future. You'll be helping them and helping me to keep this show on the road. Shares for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not shares for beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation. And thank you for listening to my podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 